Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any persons living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! 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 I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was now finest. Guys, welcome to Petri Dish. This is Nathan. I'm Sean. And we're joined by our guest, Matilde. Hello again. I probably said that too quiet. It's okay. You, you do it. Matilde! <laughs> Hello, I'm Matilde Margarita Miranda Salmeron. Holy shit. Well, and with... with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, when you're half Korean peasant and half Oklahoman peasant, you're yeah. just lucky to have a last name. Oh, yeah. Like, most Oklahomans are named after the vegetables they grew, so all Oklahomans are just, like, Billy Potato. We weren't assigned a last name until 1983. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Until FDR finally decreed, like, all Americans (laughs) must have a last name. This is part of our skin episode series, which we have not mentioned yet. This particular episode is going to be about acne and wrinkles. Yeah, this is the big one, guys. Yeah? How can you get rid of acne? How can you get rid of wrinkles? We have someone who will very soon be part of the skincare... Charlatan business. Yeah. Charlatan. I <laughs> oppose that statement. Yes. So, <laughs> well, let's get into why, right? Um, there's a lot of skincare products out there to make someone like me cynical, but there's real chemistry and real science behind how things like acne works. Right. Very, very real fundamental biology behind it. And so in this episode, we're going to get to have super legit scientist Matilde Give us all of the real, actual information on what's going on here. So let's get into it. Skin, colon, acne, colon, quantum tunneling. I hope you weren't saying colon like as an organ. Yeah. (laughs) We're digging deeper and deeper into the colon (laughs) of science. Skin, butthole, acne, butthole. Very good. Quantum tunneling. All right. Acne can happen anywhere for the matter. Uh Mm Uh-oh. Even Uh in the multiverse. Mm. (laughs) Let's get into it. Okay, guys, our first segment on acne is a comedons, who are, in Italy, old men who excel at comedy. <laughs> the dons de comedy. <laughs> wow, shit. That's fucked up. Okay, so comedons. Matilde, what is that? So these are pores that essentially get blocked by either sebum overgrowth, some sort of debris, any kind of like keratinocyte debris from just regular shedding. Cut and- your science talk. What's a comedon? It's okay. a zit. It's okay. a zit. Okay. We're talking zits, people. So, like, in common talk of the folks on the streets. Yeah, the right? common the vernacular. Youths. Yeah, the youths will sometimes say words like blackheads or whiteheads. Mm. Are one of those comedones? Very red pill. Both of them are comedones, actually. I see. Oh! Okay, so comedones okay. is a broader category that blackheads and whiteheads are a part of. That are yeah. both caused by the same thing, huh? The sebum getting mixed up with dead skin cells and clogging stuff? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, why are they different? So blackheads are known as blackheads because these actually penetrate the surface of the skin. And since they make contact with oxygen in the air, they will oxidize. Hence, they're kind of darker, maybe even black color. Okay, so it's kind of like rusting, except with iron turning red, sebum will turn kind of a black color. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Or, Or purple. What the shit? You might need to see a doctor. See a doctor for that. (laughs) Yeah, I got purple head. (laughs) That sounds like a terrible Prince song. Purple head. Purple head. Let's continue. How about whitehead? Why is that a whitehead? So whiteheads are white because they actually don't penetrate the surface of the skin. So they're right below the epidermis. And you can still go ahead and maybe lance them and safely go ahead and extract them, but you run the risk of infection. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay, so technically speaking, when you have blackheads or even whiteheads, there is a clog, but the stuff that's getting built up 
doesn't necessarily have to be an infected thing. Right. right? This is different from acne. I mean, I don't know. Right? It's actually almost the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's your immune system responding to some sort of foreign body, whether that's as a result of any kind of bacterial or any microbial interference. And it really is just your immune system doing its job of using the skin as its barrier. Okay. Is there a difference between comedones and cysts? Yes. So comedones are kind of your run of the mill. Hey, I've got pores. They've got some junk in it. Cysts are much more severe. They are essentially an infection gone awry. And so these pimple popper videos that you see, those are cysts when they're, you know, the size of the palm of your hand. Jesus, what? Yes, people really enjoy watching these, but they're not pimples at that point. They're a full-fledged infection where your immune system has gone into hyperdrive to go ahead and contain whatever mess is happening at Is it actually useful to pop those, or is that like a bad thing? It's a bit of both. So you'd want to go ahead and drain it because you don't want any of that buildup that can then turn quite nasty and even maybe septic. Right, but if you pop it too gregariously and it hits your partner... That's coronavirus you just spread, right? No. Okay, well, so not COVID-19, but like SARS. It's something that you probably just still don't want on yourself. Right. Yeah. And so the only thing when it comes to cysts or whatever you see on this pimple popper channel is you want to get it done by a professional because they're going to take a lot of care making sure that the area is sterile, that the actual procedure is going to be sterile, and any kind of aftercare is going to be observed or at least you know influenced by some sort of guided medical professional. Yeah, so I feel like the idea is if you are going to pop a pimple or whatever, right, or pop a cyst or anything like that, first of all, obviously you want to be able to have things be clean, right? Right. You, you don't want it to get worse. Right. But then also I think... The more professional the person is, the more practiced, then like the less extra damage can happen, right? Because definitely people going in yeah. with knives. Yeah, it's like Stacy gets the blackheads out of my arm and it's just like scar tissue now. It's what? like fucking my arm is Do a disaster. Do you use your fingers? Please, uh, yes. please no. I use Stacy's fingers. Oh no. I cut oh them no. Off. <laughs> we're 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 gonna fix that. The scarring and the finger issue. <laughs> this is gonna devolve into just me showing my arm being like, what can I rub on this? <laughs> Alright. So you were talking about hey with comedones, with these cysts, you kept using the word infection, but that means that there's some kind of pathogen that's actually getting in there. Who is the pathogen? Like what, yeah. what are we talking about here? Right, right. So by and large, zits are mini infections happening in these localized sites. And so when it comes to zits, these are caused by microbes called uh, C. acnes. They're formally known as P. acnes. And as you can maybe tell from the name, they're a bacteria that is commonly associated with breakouts and acne. Well, why the fuck is it called C. acne, but also P. acne? It's a naming issue. I think it has to do with like the phylogeny or the way that it was categorized when it comes to species. I'm not a microbiologist. Yeah. I can agree that acne sucks though. Yeah. Okay. The first letter is the genus of the other bacteria is grouped with and they change the category. Right. So what I'm reading here though is that like C. acne, this bacteria is like not necessarily bad for you. It's always present. And in fact, it eats sebum and that should seem like a good thing, right? Right, and I think it goes back to our episode one where we talk about sebum, that sebum itself isn't the enemy, it's the imbalance. So I guess the same statement can come for the acnes, where it's not the microbe itself that is bad, it's the imbalance, either too little or too much that lead to skin disorders. Yeah, it's like deer. What? <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so in a lot of ecosystems... Because we've done things like wipe out predators or something like that, cause some kind of imbalance, deer populations explode, and then deer do things like help spread Lyme disease and shit like that. And so actually there's a lot of situations in ecological yeah, niches. Yeah, that's why if a deer bites you, please see a medical professional. Oh, they have such nice eyelashes, though. Yeah, but the sounds well, they make, the eyelashes, terrible. Well, that's why you kill them. That means you keep the eyelashes. They don't make noises anymore. Yes, that's a very good point. Kill, I'll put them on my the lamps. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. my, you know, titty belts. Yeah. Wow, this person, am I right? I gotta say, that is the first time anyone's mentioned titty belt on this podcast. Yeah, I'm just, we were you know, off the air last time we were we talking were, about titty belts. We were, we yeah. were, but 
I may or may not be Ed Gein's protege on my off hours. There you go. <laughs> Confessions here first. So with Siakines, like it's um, <laughs> it's not necessarily bad for you. It's all about creating an equilibrium. But what happens or why would that equilibrium of Siakines get out of whack? What's what? happened? Right. So if you have too much of the C-acnes, its secretion products actually will go ahead and damage the cells, these keratinocytes. And it will essentially create a warning sign and it will recruit immune cells to start noticing all of this junk. I noticed, like necrophilia. Uh... Uh, No, I read that wrong. Excuse me. (laughs) What it's, were you reading? Uh, neutrophilus. Oh, neutrophils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a kind of immune cell. Yeah, different thing. Yeah, so when this, <laughs> these, you know, secretion products will go ahead and then damage cells and these cells will sort of cry out for help, neutrophils, which are a type of inflammatory cell, will respond and will want to go ahead and eat up this bacteria. Neutrophil sounds like the whitest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Please, Neutrophil! And then yeah. this, like, very Caucasian superhero comes. Yeah, it's neutron-level fills. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, um, shoots at mayonnaise at his enemies. Yeah, neutrophils are, like, the dumbest cells. Really? They're a lot of fun. They're Why one of my so favorite dumb? immune cells. Well, so neutrophils have a lifespan of like less than a day or so. Maybe, Damn, maybe they're me-seeks. Yeah. They go around and they're basically little kamikazes. They're suicide bombers. Cool. They'll go into an area. Also known as freedom fighters. <laughs> Just kidding. They'll barf up their Just innards. Kidding. Okay. They'll do a process called netosis. That's pretty metal. Where the net is literally a tangle of their own DNA. Wow. And they'll barf it out to help trap things like bacteria and stuff. And so they also die in the process of doing that and then create pus. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the pus creation process is definitely part of necrophils getting recruited and dying in the the And so the irony is that they're taking care of the bacteria, but in the process of doing it, also spread inflammation? Is that what's going on? They won't necessarily spread inflammation, but they'll trigger a lot of other byproducts, such as skin getting red and swollen. Mm. Yeah, neutrophils definitely send out a lot of inflammatory flares to other immune cells to try to come to the area. So once you start getting some neutrophils, you usually end up getting a lot of them recruited. And then they get very naughty and angry. That's for sure. So we got the acnes type situation going on. But are there other bacterias and stuff like that that can cause acne also? Or is it just this one group? So this is a bit of emerging research, but there is a subcategory of acne known as fungal acne. And this is caused by a bug called Pityrostrum folliculitis. And it's known as fungal acne, but it's actually not a fungus. It is a type of yeast that lives on our skin. Cool. And so the umbrella of all of these different sort of fungal acne disorders is caused by a microbe called Malasetia, something that almost sounds Italian. Malasetia. Yeah. <laughs> it actually translates to baker's acne in Italian. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> anyway, I mean, no one knows. So, you know, for people that have looked into treating bacterial acne, whether it's with over-the-counter antibacterial products or even prescription-strength antibacterial products, and have had no kind of beneficial response, it's entirely possible because the microbiome is such a diverse population that it can maybe be as a result of this yeast population. And so it oftentimes does get confused as bacterial acne. It looks like bacterial acne, but the one really distinct difference is that it's itchy. And um, this is because... It loves oil. For those of us that are oily skin folks, myself included, this sucker is going to be our arch nemesis. So what is it about like adolescence that stereotypically gets people so much acne? It usually has to do with a lot of the hormones. So a lot of androgens, primarily testosterone, is going to go ahead and stimulate a lot of sebaceous gland development. So sebaceous glands are responsible for generating sebum. As I mentioned, too much sebum or too little sebum can cause skin disorders. So if you have a lot of sebum development and just regular sebum doing its job, you most likely have too much sebum just hanging out on the surface of the skin. That's going to cause clogs. That's going to go ahead and cause breakouts. All right, so 40% of our viewership is 17-year-old guys. Looking at you, Griffin, or whatever, however old you are. What can you do about acne? 
why don't we take a break and then we're gonna have Matilda come in. But Sean, what can you do about acne? No, see, this is how we make our money: is we make people wait through our oh, fake ad. Oh yeah. And then when they come back, Matilda will give them all the good info. Uh, namely just griffin because he's literally our only young listener okay guys so stay tuned after the break acne what can you do i'm a tech entrepreneur and i'm any miscellaneous wall street guy and we're making billions price gouging entire states and nations on critical medical equipment now you can be just like us with our new website covidaprofiteering.com it's the one-shop-fits-all resource for all the money you can make on human suffering. Need a place to sell hand sanitizer after Amazon blacklists you? Go to CovidaProfiteering.com. Stuck selling masks to Mississippi when you know Saudi Arabia is offering 15,000 reals a pop? Check out Covida Profiteering. Want a fraudulent piece of that $500 billion bailout to corporations? We can schedule you with a one-on-one meeting with Steve Mnookin's sexually unsatisfied wife with Kavita Profiteering. Some people say that profiteering is evil. Those people are poor. So go sign up at CovitaProfiteering.com and make your millions off a pandemic. So guys, we're back with Petri Dish. Now, Matilde, tell us the secret. How can I clear up all this body acne? That's going to be a work in progress. Well, let's start. (laughs) (laughs) What can I do? So first and foremost, things that really damage your skin have to do with basically hygiene. So that's one of the first things that you can go ahead and treat. So one of the things that you You see that she's just coming dirty. (laughs) Yeah. She can treat your face. In this day and age, everything. Dirty. <laughs> That's true. Right now. That's sexy. Yeah. All right. So you're telling Nathan he needs to scrub his butt a little bit better, is what okay. you're saying? That would help. Yes. A bidet. Okay. Okay. But also, I mean, I will say that I feel like some ideas about treating acne and stuff like that describe treatments that sound to me like it would actually, like, fucking, like, scar your skin or something. Like, that some of it could be, like, really damaging. Right. And so, what I aim to do, especially with a lot of the knowledge I've gotten through graduate school, is Show that this skin is a dynamic organ and trying to go ahead and do something that you think will give you overnight gratification is going to be negative and you're actually going to get more harm than good done by wanting to get short-term instant results. Hey, nitrates and phosphates help your farms, man. Go straight into the river, gonna get algae blooms. But also when it comes to acne and I think people trying to clear out their own acne, I remember as a teen, I'd get frustrated and I'd want to pop my pimples and everything like that with my hands and everything. And I feel like that causes a lot of tearing and damage just really directly. And so on the sort of instant gratification, but maybe not great in the long term thing, I think that that's an example of like, even if you are going to pop pimples or something, there's probably a better way to go about it than just like with your fingernails and just like cutting shit up. Right. And I mean, like, it's kind of appropriate that you're asking me this because if you're going to pop your pimples, you're going to need to wash your hands very, very well. And if you're going to touch your face, wash your hands. Yeah, fucking COVID-19. Yeah, remember the rules? Wash your hands for two minutes. That's the happy birthday song. Very (laughs) slow and creepy. (laughs) Like, happy birthday for two minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's that's not correct. But not with soap. That's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Only alkaline water. (laughs) God damn. Uh, Just kidding, guys. You are a bad person. Okay, so... Let's see. One thing I could think of is since acne got this infection component to it, can you just like kill the bacteria? Does that work? Short term, it will work. But unfortunately, long term, it's possible that these bacteria can acquire some sort of resistance and they can come back with a vengeance. And that's actually anecdotally seen in a lot of severe acne cases. Right. We don't want to nuke the environment with antibiotics. We need to create that equilibrium, right? Yeah, so I guess actually, now that I think about it, I've seen some acne treatments that are antibiotics, even oral antibiotics. Like the idea would be that you take a pill of antibiotics and it's strong enough that it will even wipe out acnes bacteria on your skin surface. Like that seems like really ambitious. It is very ambitious. And again, it will work in the long term, but because you're taking it as an oral form, it also will mess with the gut microbiome. Yeah. I mean, that that doesn't seem so good. Right. The key point here is that these bacteria are not necessarily bad in of themselves. You don't want to just get rid of them. 
Right. Yeah. So I guess the idea with all that is, you know, something a little bit more targeted would be better. So what's targeted? What can we do? So there's a few targeted approaches that you can take, such as corticosteroids, vitamin B3 treatments, things such as antihistamines and something known as azelaic acid. Again, this is known as short term. So corticosteroids will help with curbing inflammation, so curbing this immune system response. Vitamin B3, it's not scientifically proven, but it's been shown to be aiding in the immune process, so not having too much of an immune response, but still helping a lot of the clearing. Antihistamines will help with also curbing inflammation, and azelaic acid is going to be a derivative of wheat and it's been shown that it can actually be probiotic, helping with stabilizing the microbiome of the skin. Oh, that's interesting. With pimples, there's the actual clogged pore or whatever, right? But like a lot of times with blackheads or something, they're not incredibly noticeable. I think a lot of people when they get really self-conscious is when they have like a big fucking pimple, right? And it's like super red and everything like that. And so I think that a lot of the things that counter inflammation can help bring down some of the redness and swelling. So maybe that can make them like a little bit less noticeable or something. But long term, I'm just pumping out sebum. How can I lower my sebum production? So this is probably where a little bit more intensive therapy might be necessary. Mm. So No, I like intense hormone therapy. So hormone therapy it. is very promising because, as I mentioned before, androgen therapy, primarily testosterone, has been correlated with increased sebum production. Unfortunately, birth control might be off, you know, the table for you, but birth control pills, because they happen to be more estrogen based, they will help stabilize the levels of estrogen. Oh, I'm a man. Yes. That's why it's off the table for me. It's not because you're married. What were you thinking it was because? (laughs) No, no, I thought it was not me specifically, but the royal you. Like, I thought it was like to humans. Birth control, unfortunately, is not available. And I was like, that's not what the notes say. I mean, what Matilde doesn't know is that actually you have done a clinical trial where you just took birth control pills. And also, I am an androgen. <laughs> so I just you, love David Bowie. Do you want to describe what happened when you took a year's worth of uh, birth control pills? Well, I became Nathan. Oh. And then I married Stacy. <laughs> and she hasn't known until you blew it for me. <laughs> Controversial. So, okay. I'm seeing the idea here is you want to reduce the androgens, which are like on the testosterone kind of side. Right. Progesterone, is that an androgen or is that an estradiol? It's going to be more on the androgen side. And so birth control that is more progesterone will aggravate acne. Okay. Yeah. If I remember correctly, there's several different kinds that are like different blends. Some are maybe 100% progesterone, but a lot of them have some estradiol in it. Right. So a mix will be more beneficial for managing acne than a progesterone-only birth control. I'm seeing also there's some like real whack-ass herbal stuff you can also take, but it's so dangerous it requires doctor consultation. What are these magical Pimrose things? So there are more herbal derivatives when it comes to managing these this imbalance of androgens, more commonly known as evening primrose oil or something known as dim. Well, that's Take found. Dim. It's the dumber of the molecules. <laughs> it's not that bright. Right. Um, okay. So, it's so like crucifix vegetables. Right. So like broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, that kind of thing. This molecule is in abundance, and it's been correlated with lowering androgen levels. But of course, since these are more on the herbal side and supplements aren't necessarily FDA approved, I will strongly suggest that you consult some sort of medical professional, a doctor, before going ahead and supplementing this into your diet. So that's why you could do hormone therapy without a doctor. What? (laughs) Thank God we have that disclaimer at the start of our episode so no one takes any kind of medical advice from us. From you? Yeah, from me. Yeah. But definitely from Nathan. (laughs) Take it. (laughs) Okay, is there other anti-androgens we could be working with here? Yeah, on the prescription level, there's something called spironolactone. So this is an anti-androgen that has been proven time and time again at reducing acne. And the way it does it is by reducing the synthesis of testosterone in your body. This is, a, I think, fundamentally a stupid question. But is it good to reduce testosterone levels when you're like in adolescence? Like, aren't you going through hormonal changes on purpose to like affect all sorts of elements of your body? 
Right, right. And that is puberty as a whole, whether you're male, female, whatever in between, as we are an inclusive show. Yeah. Um, but I've been uh, <laughs> the, I think the thing is, because hormones are systemically acting on any kind of growth signals and are really important for development, I would really consult a professional, a doctor, if you're yeah. wanting to go ahead and treat acne but also not mess up any kind of hormonal levels that might be yeah. necessary for Please don't your, do any yeah. of this before talking well, yeah. to an acupuncturist. I, <laughs> yeah, or your chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah. so I think one of the reasons why a lot of these things are prescription is because probably when you are a teen or a preteen or something like that, it would be a, at least very medically relevant time if you're considering anti-androgens or androgen receptor blockers or something like that. It's going to be a time where all over your body that signaling is very active. A lot of the people I know that have ever mentioned spironolactone or anything like that are adults who are out of puberty. Right. Yeah, and I think one of the other things about these treatments is it would be really interesting maybe to find something a little bit more targeted to skin. Because, yeah, if you take oral spironolactone, I think... The evidence is really strong that it helps with the skin, but it should affect other organ systems. Right. So I think it's also on the same level as if you take something called Accutane, which is just vitamin A in excess, you will still get a lot of side effects for skin, which involve peeling, which involve dryness, but also you get a lot of internal side effects such as, you know, GI tract inflammation, upset stomach. And so being aware of why you're choosing a systemic versus maybe a topical approach is going to be very, very important. And if it's really going to give you the results that you'd like. Okay. Is there any other shit that can treat acne? So you mentioned retinoids, right? You, you were saying Accutane. That's part of a whole class right. of stuff. So but it also turns into a vampire. What? I see this. It says you're more sensitive to light. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that, fuck is, you, Sean. that is true, but you're not going to be, um, you know, a vampire in the classical sense where you're going to be drinking blood. Yeah, you're coincidentally your... drinking people's blood. You can still see your reflection. You like garlic. Not me. Right. You so retinoids <laughs> and for that matter, retinols are going to be an umbrella class of products that have vitamin A. They're derived from vitamin A. Okay. And so I was going to ask you what it is. And then I saw in the notes this paragraph that's horrifying because it's got so many science terms. What? Which I will explain in turn. Okay. Mm. And so retinol is going to be something that you're able to go ahead and access over the counter. You'll see it at a CVS. You'll see it at Sephora, at an Ulta. But because it's very readily accessible, it's not exactly the most powerful ingredient if you're looking to treat acne. Something. So uh, you remember when in the last episode we were talking about the epidermis, right? Yeah. The main cell type there is keratinocytes. And so the retinoids cause keratinocyte proliferation. It means it's making more of these keratinocytes and also more collagen. And so the skin peeling is because you're basically making more layers of skin, right? Right. So there's receptors in keratinocytes and even to some extent fibroblasts that will react with this medication and will go ahead and drive shedding of the skin. And that's why if you are on medicine like Accutane or if you have a topical version of this medication, you will oftentimes experience skin peeling and with that um, sun sensitivity because your skin is basically going on overdrive with the peeling to get out any kind of junk that is in your pores, that is in your epidermis to go ahead and then get clearer skin. But the catch-22, if you will, is that because you are turning over your skin rapidly, it doesn't allow for your sebum, these moisturizing factors that are naturally found in your skin, to go ahead and do their part. So those are oftentimes then shed off of your skin and you're left with dry skin, no moisture, and you're kind of you know up a creek with no paddle. Yeah, so I feel like some of these treatments that are supposed to either cause more turnover or decrease sebum production, I feel like it's kind of a hard place to find that Goldilocks zone, right? Because also too little of that stuff 
causes undesirable characteristics in your skin too, right? I mean, drier skin that doesn't have enough oil can have weakened barrier and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I advocate as someone that, you know, has gone through this sort of treatment before is there's a few things that you can go ahead and counteract if you do your research. And especially if you contact a medical professional, but say you have a lot of dry skin, say that you had a lot of skin peeling, to go ahead and counteract this sort of sensitivity period, a few things that you can do is using sunscreen daily. So because your moisture barrier is going through a lot of synthesis and growth, it's compromised, it's vulnerable, so sunscreen will help from any increasing damage from UV rays, and moisturizing will also help curb a lot of the dry skin. Since you don't have sebum really to moisturize the skin to do its job, any sort of external moisture, looking at the ceramide as we've previously discussed, is going to be really, really paramount for keeping irritation at a low level. In the course of hearing about acne treatments throughout the course of my life, I've also heard of like acid treatments or something like that. People talk about spot treating with some kind of acid or something like that. What is the deal with that? Before I go ahead and go into the science, I want to make the disclaimer. This isn't like the typical acid that you think of, like lemon juice. Please never put lemon juice on your face. It is a very strong acid. And while a lot of other websites will go ahead and tout that it's a very good quote-unquote method for getting rid of acne you're They're also dumb as fuck yes yeah there you go don't nathan, listen to him nathan wow nathan is on my side today right now yeah <laughs> so acid in the sense that it's going to be closer to the ph of your skin and allowing for natural shedding natural processes of the skin to go ahead and continue so and, and what acids are closer to that ph so there are things such as salicylic acid. Mm. This is what we think of when we think of just like anti-acne yeah. treatment. And the salic laws. Oh, you lost yeah. me. You lost me. Dude, Sean knows what I'm talking about. These are the French laws uh, in the medieval period that demanded that only male heirs could ascend to the throne so you couldn't go through matrilineal lines or I mean, something is this like, like that. Frankish, uh, like Charlemagne shit? Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, fucking nothing to do with this. No, 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 no. It really, it's the same <laughs> route because they would anoint kings in salic acid. No. <laughs> oh, that was close though. You almost got me. Okay. Okay, so salicylic acid, that definitely sounds familiar. So this is something, it can help unclog pores or something like that? What's the idea here? Right. There's different type of acids depending on your skin type. There are acids that will play a little bit better with oily skin, and there's other acids that will play better with dry skin. Salicylic acid falls under the category of the acid that will play better with oily skin. And so if you happen to have more oily skin, more sebum, salicylic acid will go ahead and penetrate deeper into the skin and allow for more dead skin cells to go ahead and slough off and debris to get cleared out. Okay, so I think the acids can help clear out pores, but then also, aside from natural processes, there's all kinds of regular shit that we do that clogs up pores, yeah. right? So I think people using different kinds of makeup or something like that. I know Nathan, you know, is just like famously putting on foundation all the time. That probably... I mean, it just sounds like powder shit. That should clog up pores, right? Depending on the makeup, yes. It's certainly possible that these ingredients will be more comedogenic. So these are uh, ingredients that will be more pore clogging. Nevertheless, Nathan, if you want to live your best life, I am in no place to judge. Yeah. But then again, be aware of the consequences if you decide to use makeup that will have more pore clogging ingredients. When you said Nathan, did you mean Sean? Because I, I feel like this isn't about me. No, you're very beautiful, even without makeup. <laughs> you need makeup. Yeah, that's true. Okay, but so I guess part of my question, you know, maybe this is a little too far into the weeds. Is it actually possible to have kinds of foundation and shit like that that's actually not at all comedogenic certainly so there are a few charts that you can find online that will score certain ingredients on their comedogen com <laughs> that's a hard word comedogenicity is that the comedogenicity right right and this is just a matter of looking up single ingredients in the formula to see if it will yes clog a pore or no clog a pore Okay, and so uh, I think there's a couple of links in the in the notes that we're using right now, and so I'll put those in the show notes in case people want to 
cross-reference right. whatever makeup they're using. HTTPS, ragamuffin.fatcheck, how to us not, you comedy already fucked up. ratings. You already fucked up. Dot com. It wasn't even that far. In. Okay, anyway. So, last part of acne that we're going to be talking about. You had previously mentioned fungal acne, which yeah. sounds like a whole extra kind of set of fuckery. All you got to do is just throw some fermented stuff on there. <laughs> kimchi. Yeah, yeah, you just got to do a kimchi bath. Yeah, kimchi kimchi might actually work because it does have a lot of like prebiotics. I actually haven't given kimchi that too much. Kimchi cures everything. Yeah. I swear to God, if... How could Koreans have not have sold this already? Because, like, if kimchi works... We know in a lab in Korea, they're just slathering kimchi on people being like, is it working yet? We'll talk later. All right. So then, what can we do about fungal acne treatments? So up until this point, we've been really focusing a lot of acne in the bacterial sense. But as I mentioned previously, there's this new understanding of acne that can be more fungal related, where it comes from a yeast a bug that also is present on your skin. And so fungal acne, because it gets confused with bacterial acne, it actually doesn't even respond to a lot of bacterial medicine. It doesn't respond to antibacterials because it's not a bacteria. It is a microbe, however. So things such as antimicrobials, this could be something like... um, Zinc perithione, which you can find in dandruff shampoo. This is something you can find also in like sulfur-based products. That is going to be very effective against any kind of fungal-based breakouts. It's very hard to characterize fungal-based breakouts, apart from the fact that they're itchy. So if you're unable to go ahead and get to a dermatologist, if your breakouts happen to be itchy, if your breakouts happen to be in places that are more moist, that are more humid, if they're in areas where you go and work out. What are you laughing about? Nathan, do you have parts of your body that aren't moist? (laughs) Is that what you're thinking about for the last two hours? I've just been caught up on that. All right, then I diagnose you with fungal acne. And put on the Nuka honey. So on the sulfur front, I feel like I've seen this product. My wife, Lily, use, uh, it's like... Just straight sulfur? It's from somebody like Badescu or something like that. Badescu. Yeah, Badescu. Sure, that sounds better. Sounds like Um, a Romanian vampire. And it's like this like pink shit. And, you know, it smells like sulfur. You get that real sulfur Satan kind of smell. And you put it with a Q-tip or something, little pink spots on you and stuff like that. Yeah. It seems like it's got a lot of sulfur in it. Does that work on only fungal guys or does that act that's actually kind of like a broader thing it's kind of a broader thing so if it smells like sulfur but is pink it might have origins in zinc so zinc itself is going to be very antimicrobial as well so you can use it as spot treatment again it's a short-term type of remedy and i would even argue that that's a brand name. That's like a bougie type of product. Yeah, so <laughs> my my skincare hack is if you're wanting to go ahead and if you think you have fungal acne based off of, you know, a few of the different markers that I mentioned is so Manuka honey has been used for generations, eons to go ahead and treat a lot of skin maladies because it has very antimicrobial properties. I don't believe in eons. Okay, so hold on. So I actually have a question here. Yeah. Honey. Yes. I know because it's hygroscopic, it can actually suck the water out of like bacteria and any kind of shit, right? So I know that. I also know that that means if you dilute honey in water and then try to use it, a lot of times it's not as effective. But is it specifically Manuka for some reason? Or like if I get California honey from good American bees, does that, <laughs> that's no good anymore? So Manuka, because it has a lot of the floral components, okay, it so has oh, more got pollen and shit in there. Mm, and- yes. Yeah, so those tend to aid more on the microbial front. Okay. Isn't honey microbial like on purpose? On like, purpose, bees yes. use it as protection, right? Yes. But like Manuka is S tier level. Right. Okay. I got you. It is true that when I was reading about honey... Besides being hygroscopic and being able to suck the water out, it also has antimicrobial peptides and things like that in there. It can have small molecules that can be antimicrobial. So basically rub honey on your face. Use it as spot treatment. It will help in the short term. It probably can also help with inflammation. And something that I swear by is diaper rash cream. So like brand name like Desitin, I think it's called. And this is a high concentration of zinc. And zinc is known as, you know, an element that also helps with antimicrobial defense. So it's not very 
aesthetically pleasing, but getting, you know, a few spots here and there, it will go ahead and heal in a few days and also boost your immune defense to wherever you put it. Awesome. So we already got some proprietary techniques Excellent. snuck in here. Okay, so let's take a break. And then when we get back, we're going to wrap up this episode with basically what we transition into worrying about as we leave teendom and we get older and older, wrinkles. Acne to wrinkles. The following is an actual advertisement. A lot of you guys out there have creative projects. Music, photography, screenplays, and short films that deserve to compete and be showcased in festivals. Now, obviously, a pandemic is not a great time to physically go to a festival. And as a result, a lot of ways to get your work out there have been closed off, maybe for the rest of the year. That's why it's great there's the Boston Collective Film Festival. It's a festival for music, photography, podcasts, and cinematic arts that's entirely run online. That means it's still happening, people. They're open for submissions throughout the month, and the winners are showcased on the YouTube channel of their partner, a content creator with 25,000 subscribers. Go check them out at filmfreeway.com Boston. Use our promo code PetriDish to get a 10% discount on your entry fee. Get exposed, not to COVID-19, at the Boston Collective Film Festival. That's promo code PetriDish, all one word, at filmfreeway.com Boston. Submissions until April 20th. Hey everyone, we are back. This is Petri Dish, and we just wrapped up talking a shitload about acne, and now we're going to move on out of sort of that adolescent life, out of puberty. Now we need to talk about wrinkles, but I think first, what are wrinkles on the biological level? Yeah, what is it? Why do we get all wrinkly, Matilde? So wrinkles are basically some sort of skin fold and they can be permanent or even semi-permanent and it has to do with the levels of collagen that either make this permanent, semi-permanent and also what happens across an aging lifetime. Okay, so I think part of the idea is over time, collagen, elastin, all these things in the ECM that we're talking about, it'll like degrade over time and it, it needs to be replaced or replenished somehow. But as you're getting older, you just get shittier or something like that? Is that basically the idea? Right. So the older you get, these longer fibers, these fibers that allow for the elasticity, you know, the youthful glow, so to speak, of young skin will progressively decline in size, actually, become shorter. And this will, in turn, change the physical properties of your skin. Okay, and I feel like a lot of times the wrinkles that people talk about are in certain places on your face or something like that with, you know, there's like scowl lines or laugh lines or crow's feet. Like all of that shit's got something to do with muscles or something like that, right? Yeah, certain muscle movements will indeed sort of set these wrinkles over time as you age. Okay, and some of this is just getting older. But then also I know that here in Southern California, there's a lot of sunbathing and shit like that. And then those people who are like super tanned, their skin gets wrinkly as fuck. Yes. If they don't use sunscreen, UV light will actually break down these collagen fibers, these elastin fibers, this connective tissue. And that will actually speed up the issue of aging skin. I tell you what, then I serve a lot of Australian older ladies who uh -huh. like just don't have collagen anymore because those folks look like just like bags. <laughs> Listen, you joke about it, but Australia has has actually a long, long history of like increased skin cancer. Yeah, yeah. well, about as long as, as the exploitation of Aboriginals is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> about as long as Australia gets a half history, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but point taken, that wrinkled skin is not only a thing of some kind of intrinsic aging situation, right. but also sun exposure. And so even if you just want to get a sexy tanned base, you know, you need to be careful. But it might be a little healthy to get a little bit of tan, we don't want too much tan, right? I don't know about right. tan strictly, but you need sunlight for vitamin D shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You need vitamin D for proper calcium absorption. But that shit's gonna be in the sun and skin episode. That's episode four. This is fucking episode two. This is why Korean ladies like to have parasols. Not yet, Nathan. <laughs> they walk the little umbrellas. Okay, how do you treat wrinkles? One thing I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Antioxidants. Okay. <laughs> what kind of antioxidants do we have? Yeah, how can antioxidants treat acne? So there's no... What? Wrinkles. We're on wrinkles now. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you guys are paying attention. God damn it. So there's no real cure-all for wrinkles. There are treatments that help alleviate... Death. 
<laughs> uh, well, you're not wrong. But there are a few treatments that will help alleviate, you know, a lot of the symptoms when it comes to wrinkling. There are antioxidants such as vitamin C and vitamin E that can help top up these reactive oxygen species that tend to happen more as you mature. And these are ones that actually are also even caused by exposure to UV rays. Right. So I feel like I've read some papers here and there that say as you get older, your mitochondria can kind of get a little bit shittier and they'll leak more reactive oxygen species. So I feel like I've heard that. Yes. So there's actually a theory that the longer you live, the more reactive oxygen species you produce. Yeah. And that also is what contributes to aging. So that's part of a hypothesis that actually we talked about in our aging episode is this idea that reactive oxygen species and things that can fight them can help extend maybe lifetime or maybe some of the characteristics we normally associate with aging like wrinkles or some shit. But also UV light causes some reactive oxygen species shit too. And you mentioned vitamin C and E, but you can kind of use them together also, right? Like it's not like they do exactly the same job. Right, they can actually synergize where if you use to some extent more vitamin C to vitamin E, it has a photoprotective effect. So it will provide some sort of defense over these UV rays. Is vitamin C the one that smells really... It's got like a certain kind of smell to it when you put it on your skin. So vitamin C is very rich in a lot of citrus fruit. So when you think of vitamin C, at least when I think of vitamin C, I think of like oranges. So a lot of citrus-based fruit tend to have more vitamin C levels, yeah. Okay. And there's got to be other antioxidant type things out there besides vitamin C and E, right? Right. So a few other skin protective antioxidants apart from vitamin C include ferulic acid and this is something that is fat soluble it's an antioxidant derived from plants and it's been shown to be working well with vitamins and this allows for protecting them from premature degradation because it is an antioxidant and this allows them to also be more active for longer. Right so I guess part of the whole idea of being an antioxidant is that you want it to stick around so it soaks up reactive oxygen species. But just oxygen in the air can slowly oxidize things like vitamin C and shit like that, right? Yes, so, if you use it as a sort of topical approach. Right, so if you're just rubbing vitamin C on your skin, some big chunk of it is just going to oxidize by air and not really get to be useful in terms of sopping up reactive oxygen species from your mitochondria or from UV rays or some kind of shit. And so this ferulic acid... Which is also, like you were saying, hydrophobic, which is unlike vitamin C. Vitamin C, when you take it or anything like that, it's really hydrophilic. You, you just pee out all of the excess vitamin C. Ferulic acid is actually fat-soluble. Right. So it's probably going to penetrate more into the skin because of its hydrophobicity. And it will have, to some extent, more long-term effects than just vitamin C that you put on the surface of your skin. Okay, and then there's something that's from a, that sounds like a spy movie, right? Like Osmosis Jones 25, Coenzyme Q. Yeah. So, What's Coenzyme yeah, Q? Yeah, so Coenzyme Q actually exists naturally. It is an antioxidant, and it's actually part of just the general mitochondrial process. You know, mitochondria being the powerhouse of the cell. One of the reasons why it is the powerhouse of the cell is because it can generate energy through something called the electron transport chain. So because it's generating a lot of power, it also is generating a lot of reactant oxygen species. That's where Coenzyme Q comes in. Because mitochondria is doing this job, coenzyme Q is able to go ahead and attract any kind of reactant oxygen species from this process to then not go ahead and affect your skin. So coenzyme Q, is that a small molecule or is it a protein that's part of the... It's a small molecule. Okay, cool. And then I feel like there's a bunch of other shit that's supposed to be antioxidants, right? Like green tea... Or like coffee beans and coffee berries or something like that are supposed to have antioxidants and shit. Do you drink all that and it makes your skin not get wrinkles? Or do you have to be like rubbing coffee beans on your face? Or what's the deal with that? So I, I can't give you the straight answer on that just because the research is really limited. Mm -hmm. But green tea does have some molecules that help with antioxidant behavior. And I mean, I drink green tea. It's one of my favorite beverages. And I don't drink coffee 
But the thing is, the concentration at which you want it to actually give you some sort of antioxidant effect is very high and very expensive. And as a result of it being from sort of botanical sources, these sort of active ingredients can degrade very quickly over time. Okay, so vitamin C and E, coenzyme Q, ferulic acid, these are things that there's good research suggesting that they help. Green tea, coffee beans, coffee berries are not necessarily useful in this context. And then on the other end of the spectrum is alpha lipopoic acid. <laughs> What's this guy? Yeah, so alpha lipoic acid, as far as I understand, based on its structure, should be a pretty good antioxidant. But what I've seen as far as the literature from its use in creams and shit is that it doesn't seem to be as effective an antioxidant when used like in real life as like vitamin C and E and everything. Have you read anything about alpha lipoic acid or anything like that in creams or shit like that, Matilde? Yeah, I actually see a lot of sort of negative data when it comes to alpha lipoic acid. The verdict's still out if it really benefits people in the end. Again, from one person to another, their skin's going to vary. So it really is sort of on a case-by-case basis. And then this last one, niacin, I've heard about as being a really good antioxidant and also being able to help increase collagen and lipid synthesis. So, like, it should be really good for wrinkles, but it also, like, makes you flushed and shit, right? Like, it's a vasodilator, so you get more blood flow to the area. So I feel like it can cause, like, patchy rosiness in people's skin and stuff like that. Yeah, so personally, that is one of the ingredients I include in my routine. I don't experience this fleshy, rosy, cheeky type of thing. Good. So I'm very happy about that, but the same products I use do not work with other people. So again, I think people have to keep in mind that with all of these other things that we're mentioning, your skin is going to be different from my skin, different from the person across the street. And it really does take a lot of careful evaluation and research to see what ingredients and how the ingredients interact with your skin that will give you the most benefit. So there's like a bunch of other small molecule dudes that instead of being antioxidants are supposed to affect stuff like collagen and skin thickness and stuff like that, right? Like the vitamin A derivatives that you were talking about for acne and also things like alpha hydroxy acids and then adenosine, which was a anti-inflammatory molecule that we actually brought up in our acupuncture episode. So like there's a bunch of these little dudes, but these are all small molecules. And I feel like one of the other completely different categories of shit that can be used for wrinkle treatment are peptides. And so I was wondering, you have any kind of info on peptide treatments for wrinkles? So peptides are going to be smaller chunks of proteins. And because they're smaller, they're able to penetrate through the skin barrier. And the size of these peptides really determines if they can even get through the epidermis, through the dermis, to maybe their target area. So depending on the type of peptide you're using, they can improve facial wrinkles because they act on increasing collagen levels, but this isn't something that has been FDA approved, unfortunately. Yeah, so I feel like peptides in the context that you're talking about first was like getting through layers of skin. And so different peptides might have different properties or have lipids attached to them. Some people are also like eating peptides with the hope that like they get digested and then end up in your skin somehow. And so is there good evidence for like, if you take collagen pills or something like that, whether that helps your collagen levels in your skin? There's not much evidence that actually proves that because you're doing it as sort of a systemic approach, there's no real way to target it to your skin. Mm -hmm. And so collagen that you go ahead and consume will normally get processed into gelatin and then get cut up into smaller peptides. But, you know, if you take enough because of just the sheer level of the density of collagen you are taking to the skin, it may show overall skin improvements. There is a paper that has shown that in mice, overall increased collagen diet does help with macroscopic skin health. And there are a few trials in humans, but I think we're too early on in the process to make any conclusions. Okay, so we're making mice beautiful, but we don't know about people yet. Right. Just yet. Just yet. Being the keyword. Yeah. I don't want to besmirch all your guys' nerdy molecules and shit, but we're recording close to Manhattan Beach. I want to go nuclear 
Botox and fucking lasers. Yeah. Can those stop aging? Will I live forever? Yeah, okay. Slash so, skincare. So Botox is some kind of toxin, I feel. The tox part is toxin, right? Oh. <laughs> what are people doing? Yeah. So, Matilda, what's the deal with Botox? Botox is actually injecting botulism toxin into your skin. Dude, that's fucking metal. <laughs> what? <laughs> does that, so does that have any long-term consequences? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you will look fantastic, but it's at the expense of your muscles and not being able to use the muscles that will give you expression. So, um, right. But also the same muscles that you might wrinkle as a result of using them. So this is kind of the famous stereotype of people not being able to move their face. They physically cannot use their muscles. Yeah, right. so wow. I imagine that this has to do <laughs> at least a little bit with how deft a hand your person applying the Botox mm, has. Because you know, if you have like really, really small very localized, tiny amounts of Botox. I imagine that that could help alleviate some of the muscle-driven mm. wrinkling. Available for our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> it's actually... Performed it's, it's... by Matilde Miranda. <laughs> <Yeah>. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I see you guys have this kind of hysterical thing here. Not entirely related, but apparently Botox treatment of frown lines reduces depression, but the Botox treatment of smile lines increases depression. That's so hilarious. Botox treatments that make it look like you're not frowning as much. People are like, oh, I'm happier. <laughs> but if you can't smile anymore, then yeah, you're going to get depressed. <laughs> People need to stop Botoxing their happiness. Yeah, well, so thank God for that paper. Okay, well, how about lasers? Yeah, of it's course. fucking cool. Of course you want to know about lasers. I feel like there's... Probably a kind of laser that's like burning shit, right? So what's the deal with that, basically? So you got some kind of burning lasers. How does that help with wrinkles? So burning lasers, what you can call as ablative lasers, is going to burn some level of the epidermis. And this is going to activate a lot of the wounding response processes uh. in your skin. <laughs> and as a result of this wounding, you're going to go ahead and build collagen as a natural process. So it's like your old ass skin is getting all lazy. And then you like blast it. And they're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> we got we to gotta make some collagen. I mean, I think the lasers getting used here are strong enough that they are actually vaporizing the outer layer of like the stratum corneum and shit like that. Yeah, right? it's almost like a major sunburn. So I feel like skin is useful for barrier purposes. When you get laser treatments that are ablative, do you need to be like super fucking careful you don't infect your skin or something? Coronavirus. Yeah, because since you're burning the outer layer, your microbiome is going to get messed up. If you have any UV, it's going to penetrate even deeper into your skin. If you happen to have any kind of cancer, it's going to go ahead and exacerbate certain processes. So sunscreen or even just not maybe doing it or researching it in the first place is going to be real, real critical. Well, I see there's ablative versus non-ablative laser therapy and that ablative might be more effective, non-ablative does less damage or even doesn't vaporize anything. What is non-ablative lasers then? So non-ablative means that it doesn't take off like the first layer of your skin. It doesn't burn oh, off. Okay. But it still has evidence of helping with collagen production. So it will activate the immune system to some level, but it won't activate it as if it were like alarm, wounding response. Sure, it's a difference between like some people getting coronavirus and Tom Hanks getting coronavirus. <laughs> right? You just, like, did you just want to work Tom Hanks into this? Is that what this was? No, that's a very, very <laughs> organic massage. Okay, okay. And then I see there's something very provocative at the end of this laser section that says Fraxel. Let's talk about it. What the fuck is Fraxel? Fraxel is a form of this laser therapy, and it actually will go ahead and make sort of a grid where it will burn the skin in a certain pattern that will stimulate collagen, but at the same time, it will go ahead and leave a particular pattern to the user and... The jury's still out on if it really does help or doesn't help. Mainly the people that do get Fraxel are the Hollywood socialites or, you know, celebrities. Right, that sounds expensive. What's the concept behind the pattern? What's the biological underpinning of that? So because it's sort of in like a grid format, it allows for not having this disorganization that usually happens in a wounding response that causes scars, as we mentioned in our first Interesting. episode. Interesting. Okay, so instead of burning 
kind of all over your face. It's, it's a more organized It's burning. supposed to be burning in selective areas to try to have collagen get built up in those areas. Right. It's collagen in a specific orientation because wow. scarring is a disorientation of these right. networks. That's fancy as shit. But we're not sure if this fancy as shit thing actually works. Sure, right? I guess. If you have the money, if you want to try it, I mean, I'm no one to judge, but at the same time, you're burning the hell out of your skin. Peace be with you. That still seems cool. I like that. Let's do that one. Okay. Fraxel. Well, cool. Well, guys, that's about it for wrinkles. Yeah, wrinkles and acne. So this episode, we covered both of those two. I think the heavy hitters that a lot of people are occupied with throughout the course of their life and skin and everything. Next week, join us for our part three of skin, Cellulite. Thank you, everybody. We should thank Matilde for being here again for yet another skin episode where we said a lot of stupid shit at her and she dealt with it with grace. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. What? And thank you, me, for being here, too. Ah, wow, we thank doing Thank you, Stacy, for being our sound lord and engineer and Brian Allen for birth and art. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash PetriDis is where you can give us a dollar a month or something like that for doing whatever you'd call what we're doing here. At Dish Podcast at Twitter, PetriDishPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And yeah, we will see you next time.